Praise the name of the Lord. Today we are starting a new series, and the series is called Jesus is Dash. Today we are starting with Jesus is the one. I will say Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. You see, as an introduction to the series, the, the very center of the purpose and the existence of the church is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The church is all about Jesus. The church teaches morals, but the church is not all about morals. The church is all about who? Jesus. And you know, beyond the church, the world don't even know that the world is all about who? Jesus. The world is all about Jesus. The whole history of mankind revolves around one person, Jesus. In fact, our dating system revolves around Jesus. This year is called 2013 AD, actually. AD means after the death, the simplest form of, of Jesus. So everything that happens before him is BC. Everything that happens after him is what? And is where? At the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. Some try to say, oh, Jesus, well, he existed. Because there was there's too much proof to, to say that he doesn't exist. Oh, he existed, but he was just one um, moral teacher. Jesus was just um, 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 one of the great prophets. And, you know, there was a, a man called C.S. Lewis. He's dead now. He he, he wrote and he responded to, to these claims. I, I quote um, C.S. Lewis. He says, I am trying here, this is him speaking, to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, that is about Jesus. I am ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher. That's what people, some people say. But I don't accept this claim to be God. He's some prophet, but he cannot be the son of God or the God. This is one thing we must not say. A man who merely, who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great teacher. He would either be a lunatic, a madman, or else he would be the devil from hell. You must take, you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. You can fall or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us come, let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus was very clear. A great, you see, he 
is either a madman. Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and eat, drink my blood, you have no part in me. Is that a great moral teacher? He's either, he's really God or he's really a madman. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. Isn't that crazy? Jesus said to the Jews, they are saying, oh, we, we know we are children of Moses. Jesus said, you are not children of Moses. Because you, you are not doing the things Moses did. Say, oh, I, we know where we are from. Abraham is our father. Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Is that not madness? Or the truth. Jesus is an enigma to a lot of people. They can't, they can't wrap their minds around him. Because they, you try to wrap your mind around the creator of the heavens and the earth. The word of God that became flesh. Praise the name of the Lord. So we see that Jesus is either loved passionately or hated passionately. Jesus is either loved or hated. Jesus cannot be ignored. And that is the, that is the move of, of the enemy at this time. Is to raise a generation that attempts to ignore Jesus. But Jesus will not be ignored. Is it that you love him or you hate him? I'm, I'm going to quote someone else. Um, it's, 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 it's called H.G. Wells. He's a renowned historian, British historian. And, and he says this. He says, I am a historian. I am not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher of Nazareth, that's what they call Jesus. This penniless preacher of Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. This guy says, look, guys, let's look at this thing well. This penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the center of all history. And Jesus poses the most important question to us, to Peter and to us, is the most important question ever. That question actually determines where you will spend eternity. It's the most important question ever. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 13, Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, the Bible says he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You see, it's not new that people have tried to commonize Jesus. But Jesus now asks the most important question ever. He says, but who do you say that I am? And that is the crux of this series. Who do you say that Jesus is? So Jesus is Dash. Who do you say that I am. Who am I to you? You see, when you get to heaven, the truth is that when you stand at the gates of heaven, what will determine whether you enter or not is who Jesus is to you. 
Praise the name of the Lord. And many of us, mankind, generally, we have this vacuum in our hearts and we are seeking to fill the vacuum. We have the vacuum that we are, we are seeking to fill. But today, I'm here to say to you that Jesus is the one that you are seeking. Jesus is the one. Many people want what they call a soulmate. What they call a life partner. Someone, the, the one for me. Oh, love me. You know that song? I'm not sure that song will make it to heaven. I'm joking. Anyway, and we are filling our lives with many things. We are filling our lives with many people. We see this person, we say, this must be the one for me. We see that person, we say, oh, this must be the one. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the one. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, that's a good place to clap. Jesus is the one. Regardless of the nature of your quest, for some of us, it's not a quest for love, as it were. It's a quest for deliverance. We go to this place looking for the one that will deliver. We go to that place looking for the one that will deliver. People do all sorts of crazy things in the name of looking for the one that will deliver. But Jesus is that one. The deliverer. The one. Someone asked this probing question of Jesus in Matthew 11 from verse 2 is actually the person that baptized Jesus. He got to a situation in his life and he needed deliverance. In Matthew 11 verse 2 and the word of God says when John, remember John the Baptist? Do you remember John the Baptist? Good. John the Baptist, for those that don't know, is the one that baptized Jesus. When John who was in prison, he has been imprisoned for speaking the truth, for saying to Herod, you cannot take your brother's wife. Or it's wrong to take your brother's wife. And the guy put him in prison and later cut off his head. Anyway, when he heard about the deeds of the Messiah, the Jesus, of Jesus, the Messiah, the one, he sent his disciples and he asked, are you the one? Everybody say, are you the one? Are you the one? Who is to come? Or should we expect another? Should we expect someone else? And like John, many of us, we've been in a situation, we've been in prison. And we, we've been in prison for 
things we could say for righteousness or for whatever reason. And we've been praying to Jesus. And we've been praying to Jesus. And we've been sending disciples to Jesus. We've been sending prophets to Jesus. We've been sending. And we're beginning to ask ourselves, Jesus, are you the one? Or am I to, are we to expect another? I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is the one. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus is the one. We're in a tight situation and we, we've called upon him for deliverance. We want to be set free. We want to be delivered. And we are saying, we are asking, are you the one? Saying to you this morning, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. Is the one. The, the word, the word, the, 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 well, the two words, that phrase, the one, from the original, is actually a word, a word, um, uh, or rather, a phrase, if you will, who haba, which means the he who comes, or he who is to come. For every situation you are in, Jesus is he who is to come to meet that need. And many times, because of apparent delays sometimes, John had been in prison. Martha has called Jesus to come and raise Lazarus, ill Lazarus. And Jesus delayed. And Martha says, well, Jesus is too late right now to heal my brother. And Jesus is saying, don't you understand? I am the one. Martha says, oh yeah, I know. He's going to rise, he's going to rise up again at the resurrection morning. And we're all going to sing Kumbaya together and rejoice. Jesus said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Just believe me. Martha says, oh yeah, I'll believe you. He got to the graveyard. Jesus says, roll up the stone. Martha said, oh God, I told you they buried him for four days. He will be stinky by now. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you, if you will believe, you will see the glory of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And I'm saying to you today, if you will believe, you will see the glory of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus is the one. To the single person out there, Jesus is the one that you are searching for. When you meet your life partner, your life partner becomes the, the two or the second. And Jesus remains the one. For those that are married, your spouse is not the one. I'm sure you have discovered that by now. Oh, yes. If you've married for six months, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I, get, I hear it's getting shorter these days. I hear it's now three months <laughs> or one month. You know what I'm saying. Your spouse is not the one. Jesus is the 
Your spouse is the is the two. No, it's the second. You see, when you get this right, you will stop looking to the second for what only the one can fulfill. When you get this right, you're, you're, you will be so free. You'll be so free to love your spouse. Because you know that they are not the one. They are the second. Your heart and your commitment is to the, the only person you can totally satisfy is Jesus. You can't satisfy your spouse completely, 100%. It's impossible. I'm blind married people. Is, is that not true? Impossible. And listen, listen, listen. The converse is also the case. There is no human being on earth that can completely satisfy you. The only person that can satisfy you is the one. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So stop looking to the second. What only the one can deliver. I need to pause there because it needs to sink in. That is deliverance, total deliverance. And your life will be so, so, so sweet. Why? Because you are looking at the one that made you, knew, knows you inside out. You cannot pull any surprises at him and still loves you. You know, sometimes some, some spouse, some couples, they don't know. The, the husband doesn't know. If I should tell my wife this, ah, she may not, she may just change her behavior to me. Or she may never forgive me. Or if I should tell my husband this, ah, everyone will fall. But guess what? The one, he knows already. And he loves you instead, regardless. Praise the name of our Lord. Jesus is the one. And it is so important because you're, you're the, the vertical relationship to the one with the one influences all your horizontal relationships. So your horizontal relationships is only a reflection of your vertical relationship. Your horizontal relationship with people is only a reflection of your vertical relationship to the one. Why? If you see somebody that is grumpy, is angry, is always speaking a fight, guess what? They have an issue, not with you, with who? With the one. Just tell them. Uh, you need to see the one. When, 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 when they're speaking hurtful words at you and they're always trying to demean you, it's just no, that they don't have a problem with you. They have a problem with who? The one. And many times we try to replace, you see, in our relationships, my relationships particularly, we, we try to Replace intimacy with intensity. Where, where intimacy is lacking, we try to substitute it with intensity. Yes, when intimacy is in place, intensity follows. But many times, because intimacy is lacking, intensity 
is used as a cover-up. Take sexual intimacy, for instance. Couples are married. When the in sexual intimacy is lacking, it is replaced with sexual intensity. A lot of intensity, but no intimacy. Same thing with Jesus. When, when, when intimacy with Jesus is lacking, we, we replace with, it with a lot of intensity. A lot of intensity. Intimacy is not there, but we are replacing a lot of intensity. Why? God is saying to you, for instance, saying to you, you need to forgive that person. And you have made up your mind that over your dead body, you will never forgive the person. Then you are praying, you are worshipping Jesus. And as you are worshipping Jesus, the Holy Spirit reminds you, forgive this person. You know what a lot of people do? Instead of sorting out their intimacy with Jesus, they raise their voice, I love you, Lord! Trying, trying to drown the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, look straight, look straight. Don't look to your left, to your right. Um, it shows you something you need to deal with so that your intimacy with him can go to the next level and you, you want to and, and you don't want to or you think you're not prepared for it or you think you can't pay the price for it and, and you are just at that point of, 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 of intimacy with him. You want to pray, you are worshipping or you're in church and you hear that voice of the Holy Spirit pointing you in that direction. A lot of people increase their tongues and pray louder tongues. So, it's not everybody that is praying in a loud tongue that is enjoying intimacy with God. They may be running away from something. In fact, sometimes the louder they are, the bigger the issue. Sometimes. Not all the time. I'm not saying you now go and say, hey! You you must be running from God. No. But we, in the absence of genuine intimacy, which is intimacy as it is commonly said, we settle for intensity. Rather than sorting out the intimacy, we settle for intensity. And you see, and sometimes our circumstances threaten our intimacy. The circumstance in which we find ourselves Threatening our intimacy. Our, our text again in, in Matthew 11 from verse 2. Matthew 11, 2. The, the scripture says that when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect? someone else. Now think about it. How can John ask such a question after all he has seen? How can John ask a question after all he has been through? John, remember, was six months older than Jesus. He got, the mother got pregnant six months before Jesus' mother got pregnant. John met Jesus first where? In the womb. When the mothers met, the children jumped and spoke in tongues. And says, hi, oh, Oga, you did there. At your side now. Good. So John knew Jesus even by revelation. 
Because he says that he that sent me told me the person. He didn't take it for granted that because Jesus was his cousin. He knew Jesus by revelation. He, he, he baptized Jesus. John authenticated Jesus' ministry. John announced Jesus to the world and says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, John is going to a dark place. John, this same John, asks, are you the one? Or should we expect another? Wow. Circumstances can make us ask some questions that we ought not to be asking in the first place. So, what do you do when the things you are going through is threatening the things you have been through? What do you do when the things you are currently seeing is threatening the things you have seen? What do you do when your current experiences is threatening your previous experiences with God? What do you do? When the storms you have seen that is facing you is threatening the Jesus you have seen that is exalted in your life. What do you do? When you, when you get to a point like John and, 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 and say, are you the one? Now, a lot of us are, are in this place. Some of us are not. Those that are not, I'm advising you to get the city. Because you will need it sometime. Don't be too conceited to think that, oh, it's not for you. No, no, just get the city. It's okay. And keep it in the first drawer. I can assure you, you're going to pass through this time. But we come out strong in Jesus' name. So what do you do when what you are seeing is threatening what you have seen? Three things. And we close. The first thing that you do is what Jesus did in this passage of scripture. When the things you are experiencing is attempting to drown the things you have experienced, the first thing you do is you reaffirm what you have seen, heard, and experienced. You reaffirm it. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is preached to the poor. Go and reaffirm to John what he already knew. Many times we need to <laughs> reaffirm. When we get to that place where we are asking the question, are you the one, Jesus? Are you the one or should we expect another? Are you the one? The one is saying, remember when I delivered you from this. Remember when I delivered you from that. Remember this. Remember that. Reaffirm what you have seen and heard. If you would um, search for 
Hebrews 10, 23, in the New Living Translation. I know it's not in my notes, but just have it. I'm going to refer to it um, soon. In Romans 10, 17, Romans 10, 17, the, the Word of God says that, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. By hearing and hearing. And you will always require faith to work with God. You will always require faith to work with God. You will always require faith to work with God. And it comes by hearing and hearing. Which is why we say, get the CD. Download the messages for free. Somebody pays for CDs for people that want CDs. So you can get the CDs for free. Walk to the back and pick up a free CD. Listen to this word over and over. Let your faith be fired up. Why? Because you are not going to drown in this pain. Say amen. Because you are coming out on top. You will always need faith to work with God. Some, someone, say, someone said, um, and I quote him, he says, the guy says that the moment God is figured out with nice, neat lines and definitions, we are no longer dealing with God. The moment you can totally figure out God, there will always be a requirement for you to trust God. There will always be. You will never get to a point where you will have no need to trust God. When he does what you are trusting for him for now, and takes it to a higher level, which he will in Jesus' name, you will still need to trust him. And God is too faithful to fail. Can you put up that scripture? Hebrews 10, 23. He, the, the, the NLT is, is, is so interesting. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Isn't that comforting? God can be trusted. Everybody say, God can be trusted. God can be trusted. Reliable, reliable God. Reliable God. Reliable, reliable God. Dependable God. Dependable. Dependable God. Dependable God. can be trusted. You may be in a place where you're like, can I really fully trust God? Can I really depend on this word of God? Like they say, like totally, yes. Jesus is the one you are searching for. God can be trusted. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, the first thing is you reaffirm the things that you have seen, you have heard, you have experienced. You what? Reaffirm. Tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, and on and on and on. The second thing 
When what you do, when what you see is threatening what you have seen, when what you are currently experiencing wants to drown what you have experienced in God, second thing you do, refuse to be offended. Refuse to be offended. It's easy to be offended. After all, I've been paid my tithes. I'm da 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 da. Say, I refuse to be offended. After all, I've been praying and fasting. I refuse to be offended. Refuse to be offended. Jesus says in verse in that scripture that we read, Jesus says, Go back, report to John what you have heard, has seen that that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those that have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, good news is proclaimed to the poor, and it said in verse 6, and blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And that translation says, blessed is he who is not offended in me. Blessed is he who, even though he's going to a dark place, refuses to be offended. Blessed is he, even though things appear not to be working well, still says, It doesn't matter what the people say. It doesn't matter what my feelings say. Lord, you are so good. Most high. Refuse to be offended. I refuse to be offended. Job, the wife of Job, his wife, that they ate together, they enjoyed all the wealth together. They, Job was going through it at time. The wife of Job said, you are still maintaining your integrity before this God. Curse God and die. So I can marry somebody else. <laughs> that was feminist paraphrase. She didn't put it, but why does she want her to die? Why? Because it looked hopeless. The guy was covered in boils and sores. I was sick. He was weak. And she could not do anything. She wants to move on with her life. She says, curse God and die. And Job says, ah, ah, will a man receive good from God? And a small challenge. You now make him curse God. Refuse to be offended. Circumstances will speak to you and tell you why you should be offended. Refuse to be offended. Even some people, the things that are around them are telling them why they should be offended. Your shoes is opening his mouth up and he's saying, you are saying, Jesus, 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 you won't go and find your way now, eh? You won't go and do something about... Uh, even your shoe is telling you to curse God and die. The bed you sleep on is telling you what kind of life is this. Your pillow is breaking your neck instead of supporting it. Your car. Cause God and die. Cause God. <laughs> Everything wants you to be offended. Your colleague says, oh, she's going to church again. Say, I refuse 
to be offended. I, I refuse to be offended. I will remind myself of the things that I've heard. I will remind myself of the word of God. And I refuse to be offended. Because I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. In Matthew 23:39, Matthew 23:39, the word of God says in Matthew 23:39 that for I tell you this, you will never see me again. This is Jesus speaking to the Jews. Until you say, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He says, he says the one means he who comes. Jesus is saying, you won't see me except you refuse to be offended. In another way, he's saying, you won't see me except you are excited about receiving me. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's the same thing. The second coming of Jesus, except the church, the spirit, and the bride says come. Also, for, to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you are here, you are in darkness, you, 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 are, you need deliverance of some sort, you need to be broken out of that habit, Jesus is the one. And to access it, your heart must say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. You can't bless him if you are offended by him. And you need to bless him to be blessed. So, what do I do when where I am is, is contradicting where I have been? What do I do when what I am seeing is, is, is trying to reproach what I have seen in God. What, what do I do when, when, when the circumstances around me or this, my situa- current situations is speaking contrary to my experiences and situations? What do I do? Number one, I reaffirm the word of God. I reaffirm the word of God. Number two, I, I refuse to be what? To be offended. Number one, I reaffirm the word of God. Number two, I refuse to be offended. And number three, I ask him for permission to do the impossible. I ask Jesus for permission to do the impossible. You know, there's a story in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. I read from 25. But the background is that Jesus had said to his disciples, guys, go to the other side. I'm coming. And as they were going, the storm arose and they were in a storm. The wind was contrary. That's that's the point the scripture picks up from. In verse 25, it says, shortly before dawn, while the storm was raging and all that, Jesus went out to them walking on water on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. I am the one. 
Everybody say the word. Don't be afraid. Verse 28. Lord, if it is you, Lord, if you are the one, Peter said, tell me to come to you on water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. They were already in a storm. Now they are seeing double. Is this Jesus? Is this a ghost? They were in a place that contradicted the word of God. You know, the word of God to them was go to the other side. The place they are in is in the middle of the storm. The place they are in contradicted the place they've been. The place they are in contradicted the word that God has spoken to them. Praise the name of the Lord. So what did Jesus do? Sorry, what did Peter do? What did he do? Took permission to do the impossible. You see, when you have reaffirmed the word of God over and over, and you refuse to be offended, the top thing you do is to take permission from Jesus to do the impossible. Praise the name of the Lord. Take permission from Jesus to do the impossible. For many of us, Jesus has given the permission already. It is high. Come. For many of us, Jesus is giving the permission now. I am the one. Come. Thomas. Everybody know Thomas. Doubting Thomas, right? Thomas would have been saying, I don't know if he said it, but he would have been saying, hey, hey, Peter, hey, hey, water, hey. Peter wants to step on water. Thomas said, bros, why don't you just wait for the guy to come? This walking water is not necessary. But Peter stepped out in faith and walked on water. You see, there are times when you need to ask Jesus to steal the storm. And there are times when you need to ask for permission to walk on the storms. There are times when you need to ask for permission and ask the Lord, kill the storm. But there are times the storm will be there. The permission you're asking for is, can I ride on this storm? Can I ride on this storm? And many of us are asking, Lord, kill the storm when he actually wants us to to ride on the storm. Many of us are saying, Lord, say, you said it before. You remember when you were in the closet, uh, the downside of the ship, and we were about to sink, and we came to call you. You said to the storm, peace be still, and it was still, Lord. Remember? Yes. But this time, 
you are working on this stuff. It's not going to steal. not going to be still. But you will do the impossible. Praise the name of the Lord. So, what's, when what you are seeing is threatening what you have seen, and you are saying, is he the one? I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the one. When what you are experiencing is threatening the truth of God's word for your life, and you are saying, is he the one? Or should we expect another? Just do three, three things. Number one, reaffirm the truth of God's word. Number two, refuse to be offended. Number three, ask for permission to to do the impossible. So to you, that you have never known him, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is, is the one. To you that is trying to fill the void of your life with all sorts of addiction. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the one. To you whose marriage is going up and down like a roller coaster, you have been looking up to this, the two to do what only the one can do. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the one. To you that is looking for Deliverance of any sort, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the one. The question to you is, will you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord? Let's burn our hearts. Let's burn our heads.